Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show, brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. And Happy New Year! We made it. We're in 2021. Obviously, I'm recording this before we're in 2021, so hopefully, we get there. But if you're listening to this, that means we're here. We're in 2021. It is a new year that is super exciting. And to ring in the new year, we have Courtney Cronin, my colleague from. ESPN to break down Sunday's matchup between the Lions and the Vikings. We recorded this before we knew Dalvin Cook was not going to be playing and when it looked like Matthew Stafford would also not be playing, but, 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 but Matthew Stafford was a limited participant in Thursday's practice, so that actually bodes well to his potential return to the field Sunday. Whether that's a smart move or not, I think people know where I stand on that. I would not play Matthew Stafford, and we'll see if it ends up happening or not. But to me, at least, I mean, you can tell how much he wants it. And you can tell how much it means to him by the fact that he's willing to gut out this week, considering all of the injuries he has. And I think that there should be something noted about that, and that he should be praised for being willing to do that. Now, again, I would not play him in the game or I would play him in a very limited fashion in the game. But I think that the fact that he even got a little bit of work on Thursday and we'll see what he does today is a good sign for him, but also a good sign for the fact that he is at least somewhat healing from the combination of ankle, rib, thumb injuries that have plagued him for the second half of this season. In other news, Kenny Galladay, no surprise, will not play. Daryl Bevel ruled him out, which means that the next big thing for Kenny Galladay is will he 
get tagged? Will he sign a long-term deal? Will he walk into free agency? Those are the three options. Those are the three questions. And we will not know that answer for at least a little while. We'll see what happens with the new general manager, the new head coach. Personally, I think any of the three options could still be on the table because I think it's going to depend on how much of a rebuild this ends up being, what type of offense the new offensive coordinator, whoever that may be, wants to run, and what their salary cap looks like and how much they're really tearing down to rebuild. All of those things, I think, are going to come into play for what the move is with Kenny Galladay. To me, I don't I still know how you let him walk, but if you are completely tearing it down, I can also understand how you do that. But then that's also an area where maybe they could have explored trading him at some point. But he also got hurt, if you remember, a couple days before the trade deadline. And there's also the reality of Bob Quinn was not going to trade Kenny Galladay. Like, that just wasn't going to happen while they were still fighting for their jobs. So all of those things come into play. It's going to be a very interesting offseason for Kenny Galladay, for Matthew Stafford. We're going to cover all of that next week in really the last three episodes of the show. But wanted to mention that because Daryl Bevel did say that Kenny Galladay will not play Sunday, ending Kenny Galladay's season. One other thing of note, uh, I highly recommend if you haven't already, go check out the Adrian Peterson and Tracy Walker Zoom calls. are going to be on the team website from today. I, I would play some of the clips for you, but that would I wouldn't be able to play all of it. And I feel like you can get more out of it by listening to the entirety of those press conferences. Adrian Peterson says he would come back here next year, but he doesn't want to be part of a full rebuild. So... I don't know how that exactly is going to mesh. He explained kind of a little bit different scenarios that he would envision. Tracy Walker, however, was incredibly open and honest during his call, as he is every time he talks. That's one of the things that I like and appreciate the most about Tracy Walker is just his willingness to be open and honest. This has been an incredibly difficult year for him from the murder of his cousin, Ahmaud Arbery, to having a new kid, to his inconsistent play. He called his play this year unacceptable. He said he has to come back with a different mindset next year, and he has he's already on a mission to come back better next year. He did say he feels like he's a better free safety than the role that he was put in this season. So we'll also see what the new staff, whoever that may be, has as far as a role for Tracy Walker. I know that some people are down on Tracy Walker. I still believe Tracy Walker can be a very, very good player in this league. I still think he absolutely has that in him. I'll be curious to see how he gets used by this next staff, but go listen to that call. Tracy Walker was very, very open, and I'm not going to read some of the quotes just to kind of, I, I just don't think I would be able to do it justice. So go check that out. We'll be back right after the break on the first episode of 2021 with Courtney Cronin from ESPN. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. 
You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month, according to CompScore's total visits. So it's been clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And the NBA is back in action. Football is heading into the playoffs, even though not the Detroit Lions. And you might not be at a game this year, whether that's basketball or whether that's football, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now back to our show. Happy New Year, Courtney Cronin. Courtney Cronin. A longtime guest on this show, my first guest in 2021, my last ESPN guest on at least this iteration of the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks as always for coming on to coming talk about this very meaningful week 17 matchup between the Lions and the Vikings. Well, thank you for having me and happy new year to you too. Hopefully our lives will be vastly better in 2021 and uh, it can't get any worse than it did in 2020. So I am looking forward to the future and for both of us and our teams that we cover, you know, who knows where it'll go, but at least keep it interesting. I mean, for the lions, at least they can once again, sell the precipice of change uh, except they've sold this precipice of change so many times at this point that it's, you know, not really believable or viable. Uh, what's let's start there. I mean, do you think the Vikings would make big moves or do you think that Zimmer and Spielman are safe? I do not think they will make big moves. Like I've, I've toyed with this question ever since the 52 to 33 loss to the saints on Christmas day and thinking just how embarrassing that was for the franchise. Certainly for a defensive head coach with 27th ring defense and, you know, missed tackles galore and, and guys not, you know, 16 weeks into, into the season, making the same makes mistakes that they were making week one. And so my brain went, well, what, under what circumstances would ownership be like, this is no longer acceptable. We need to move on in spite of already giving you and Rick Spielman a three-year contract extension 
it would obviously have to be a loss so embarrassing to Detroit. Maybe if like they lost with their second string players to Detroit's backups or whatever, <laughs> um, if something like that happened, then I could see it. But honestly, you know, no moves were made after they went one and five to start the season. They righted the ship somewhat, but they still miss out on the playoffs. I have always thought that this was a year that was kind of going to be not necessarily a throwaway year, but if they won, it was gravy. If they didn't win, it was, well, you're building towards 2021, get guys experience, have players come back from injury. It'll be better. Not, not necessarily wonderful, but it'll be better in 2021. Um, and that's why I think that Mike Zimmer will be safe uh, at least going into the next season. But I think he starts out 2021 on the hot seat when we're doing these preseason watch lists and everything else, just given what they went through this year and, you know, they've made the playoffs. They, then they lose out on making the playoffs and they make the playoffs. Like it's every other year. It's kind of the same story for this team. So I truly believe that, you know, ownership is going to at least see the, extension the start of the extension through because why pay all that money to have Mike Zimmer uh not even not even like take day one of his extension whenever it kicks in in 2021 whatever the exact date is but um you know it's a lot of money to do that in a COVID year with you know finances being affected I don't think that they will fire him um you know, worse, weirder things have happened, but at this point, it just doesn't feel, feel viable, nor is it probably the right decision right now, because if you're, even if you're a team that's, even if you're thinking that the Vikings need to be a team that is going a different direction with its philosophy and, you know, getting away from what Zimmer did for seven years, you know, you're, you'd still be competing with the masses in a year where there are a ton of openings already. You don't want to be like the ninth team, um, if it came down to that, by the time this is all said and done, uh, picking like eighth or ninth for, for your pick on a head coach, it just wouldn't be viable uh, when they already have stability, at least in some form, without, you know, having to rock the boat even further. I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate there only because I've found that a lot of times that really sexy hire, right, that like first choice hire or second choice hire ends up being the guy who flames out in the most and fast mm-hmm. where you have your under the radar guys. Like when Doug Peterson was hired in Philly, when Frank Reich was hired in Indianapolis that end up being Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, you know, we'll see that I think remains yeah. to be seen a little bit that end up being pretty good. So I don't always worry about the order of like the attractiveness of the job. I think it's just getting the right person. And there's the question, you know, and we're talking about this because obviously Detroit's in this situation, Minnesota sounds like more than likely will not be, but it's to me, it's all about, do you have that right person? And do you think the person that you have now can fix it? If they do believe that, then uh, I don't see why they should move on from Zimmer. And, and do you think that this is more like you said, you thought it was a throwaway year. Do you think this is more of a one-year blip where they've really already started this defensive rebuild uh, and are figuring things out a little bit on offense? Or is this something that you could see sliding further and then, you know, next next year at this time, you're talking about uh, a complete blow-up situation? Well, here's my thing. And I wrote an article the other day about what the defense is facing coming out of this season. And 
there's no circumstance where you're not in a rebuild on defense when you lose nine players, including five starters from 2019. They were in a rebuild this whole year on defense on top of the fact that they lost, um, a ton, you know, Daniil Hunter to injury. Michael Pierce opted out before the season started. Anthony Barr goes down week two. Eric Kendricks misses four games at the end of the year when they're in a, a situation where they really needed him. Um, and then on top of that, you have Anthony Harris, who was franchised and really didn't play up to the, the expectations or at least what you would need if you're the Vikings to want to offer him a long-term deal. And then you have a brand new set of corners and, you know, you, you lost a lot of pieces on the defensive line too. So it's like, throw all of that in the same bowl, mix it and tell me what you come up with. And that to me is a rebuild because um, it was a lot of moving parts. And most fans that at least have been interacting with me about that story or come out, come across as very ornery uh, because they don't want to believe they're in a rebuild. Like I'm not saying a rebuild is a 10 year thing. Like the jets, a rebuild on defense could be like two to three seasons. And when you think about it, like they're going to have to draft heavy on defense, but they also have needs on the offensive line. That's something that should definitely not be, um, you know, looked past, but they have a first round pick. They have two third rounders as it stands right now. And they have more defensive needs than, um, than picks really, because you're going to have to get a safety. You're going to have to get another corner and you're going to most certainly need to address a defensive line. When you have that many needs, I don't see how you are in, in anything other than a rebuild. And they did their best with it this year. Do I think it's going to lead to a long-term decline? Not necessarily. I think that they are already in the midst of rebuilding this thing. And certainly you think the cornerbacks who played, uh, you know, really meaningful minutes this year between Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler, they're going to be better next year because they have experience. Um, the Vikings need an upgrade at number of spots in the, on the defensive line. That's a given. And, you know, we'll see what Daniil Hunter and Anthony Barr come come back playing like and looking like after two season-ending injuries. I mean, there's no given that people like that are just going to automatically recover and be great. So that's why I think the uncertainty kind of makes this thing intriguing because it could go obviously one of two ways. It could go, okay, they're, they're getting better. They're trying to get back to where they were from a couple years ago when they were the number one ranked defense in 2017. But at the same time, their offense is still pretty good. And it's you know, an offense that can compete with just about anybody in the NFL, as they've shown, they can score points. Um, they definitely are, need to be a little bit less predictable and a little bit less run heavy in certain circumstances. But, you know, you don't to be able to get all those things on the same page all at once and have it work to where you're able to win right now with all of that. That's a lot of work. So I still think that they might be a year away from that, but it's not this massive rebuild on defense. that's going to just derail everything. Do you think they regret? Moving on from Everson Griffin? You know, I think they wanted Griff back. From my understanding, the deal that he initially took in Dallas was comparable to what the Vikings were offering him. Um, I don't know if it was just hard feelings or, or what the situation was, but the Vikings did want him back. So it was never a situation of, you know, hey, contract's going to void, good riddance. Like they knew the contract was going to void because that's the way that they structured the deal. Like that's what happened. So um, I think that they were in a situation where they were trying their hardest to get him back. It didn't work out. And so they moved on the reason they got unique and Gakwe. I mean, that's the smoking gun of this whole thing. Like that is an all in type move yet. They made it under the guise that Daniel Hunter was going to come back and they didn't have any certainty or anybody telling them with, def you know, definitive 
um, certainty that Daniel was going to be able to play this year. So they made that move because they want, they thought that they could be, you know, top 10 in defensive efficiency again. And it obviously didn't work because you can't have a one dimensional pass rusher there who is not a Daniel Hunter. Like, you know, Daniel can handle his own. Ngakwe was brought in because there's no Griffin there um, as a complimentary pass rushing piece to that defensive line. It just didn't work out when he was there by himself, but they certainly missed what Everson gave them for, you know, so, you know, a decade in Minnesota and obviously the last couple of years as a starter. Yeah. I mean, he is, you know, a good player, according to Mike Zimmer, more than a good player, according to, according to himself. Yeah. <laughs> that was honestly my most, other than the like, insane nonsense storylines that have happened with the lions all season long. That one was my favorite, like mini out of nowhere one. That, yeah, that was a little, that was a little wild. I did not anticipate that coming. Like just, he's li- like literally on the press call. He just, all, I just would not stop. Like that, felt, that was, that was great. Like that was one of my favorite moments of 2020 covering the lions was everson griffin's like insistence on working in good player like i'm going to show you a a great player all the time and then coming out and being very ineffective (laughs) yes no i mean him barking at people on this yeah on the sideline yeah that's right because you were not at that game but we would have been laughing to collectively in the press box had you witnessed it um he was like jawing in the middle of the game with the Viking sidelines, just like literally barking, like woofing at the other team. And I remember Matt Patricia had to like look back and like tell somebody like, Hey, tell Everson to chill out here. I mean, he was trying his hardest to get in the head uh, of the Vikings. And I mean, I don't think it worked, but then again, no, it, it, was, not work. <laughs> it was, it was a valiant effort from his part to uh, try and rile up his former team that, you know, he spent, he knows in, the ins and outs of. Well, I'm curious to see kind of what happens here on Sunday with Everson Griffin, because I, I feel like maybe he's even more motivated now um, and might have a better shot in a game that I'm deeming must miss TV because like no one should watch this game. Like there's no one who should watch this game on Sunday. Do you like, think I, the Lions are going to rest like most of their starters? I know that you know, the Vikings haven't committed to anything at this point, but it makes zero sense to play Dalvin Cook in this game. I mean, I don't know the answer to that question. I imagine that the younger starter, and we're recording this just so people know on Tuesday night, so there's a possibility that things are happening between now and then. But I I don't know. I mean, Stafford is, you know, saying all the right things, and, and I believe him. In that, if he's health-wise able to play, he's going to play. But, I mean, I've written it. I think it. I wholeheartedly believe it. There is no reason you put Matthew Stafford out there. If Matthew Stafford was healthy and wanted to go out there and play, especially because maybe there's a chance that this is it for him in Detroit, like, sure, go for it, dude. But, like, you're injured. Like, multiple body parts like i compared him in the story i wrote i don't know if they kept the line in or not that like he's one injury away from being like an operation board like if you remember if you remember that game yeah he's always hurt he's not like it's not hurt to like where he's gonna like miss the season but like the guy has a lot of injuries like it's always something and it's something new and i'm like how are you not broken physically at this point you just must be tougher than all of us because i asked him that and he was just like he was 
he was like, hey, that's what the off season's for to kind of heal up. And I was like, like, all right, bro. Like you do you, (laughs) you know, so we'll see how they handle that. I mean, I, I think that they should not, I, I think they shouldn't even entertain it. Um, but we shall see other guys. I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're going to sit a lot of vets because like Marvin Jones is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Danny Amendola is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Romeo Aquara is going to be an unrestricted free agent. If I'm Romeo Aquara, I may ask to sit, but he's also one sack away from double digits. So he will want to be out there because sure. that's a big deal for him. And that's something that he can kind of hang his hat on when he goes into unrestricted free agency this year because he's had a fantastic year he's sitting at nine sacks he's sitting at 43 tackles at the moment so if he can somehow get to 50 tackles and 10 sacks like that's a big win for him in a contract year so i imagine he will push to play uh i mean any of the injured guys i can't imagine jamie collins plays like and he's going to be back on your team next year um I don't can't see them putting Frank Ragnow back out there with his um, vocal cord contusion slash you know throat injury. Uh, so I don't know. I think they'll sit some guys. The big one, obvious. The big question is Stafford, mm-hmm. um, and and really in some ways Adrian Peterson. But Adrian Peterson is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Like maybe this is a game where you almost sit. Maybe you sit DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I can understand like, that. And, and say, hey, guess what, Peterson? We're going to give you all of the carries. If you don't break, congratulations. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and kind of give him that. Um, I don't know. I mean, the like Corey Undland, the defensive coordinator, basically even admitted, he's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but five wins is not good enough for anything. And I, I think there's an understanding that most, if not all of this staff will be gone after this game. So you can see... So I don't don't know if you watched that Thanksgiving game, but the Thanksgiving game felt very much like a week 17 game where all of a sudden they were running flea flickers and trick stuff like that. Like pulling out all the stops. Yeah. Yeah. Week 17, all like, why not just empty the bag? Right. Like, so the Lions have done that once already this year in what Patricia clearly felt was like a week 17, like finale for him. Like, I really wonder if you'll see even more of that this week out of them because that whole staff i think knows like peace out like that you know maybe one or two of them is back and realistically even i mean you know they always use the audition for a job conversation for Mm -hmm. coaches i never feel like a week 17 thing would be a job audition i feel like maybe for like a lesser known player like like i mean i from the lions i'm treating it like a preseason game where even if, if Stafford really wants to play, you tell Stafford, we'll give you a quarter or a half. Let's see how you're doing. But the second there's any sort of anything, you're gone. You're out. Yeah, I, I get it. I, w- I would do the same. And I mean, if it's, I know what Daryl Bevel said uh, when uh, Braden Coombs was released uh, or relieved of his duties that, you know, there's other coaches on the staff trying to audition for a job, whether it's here or 31 other teams. I get it. And I don't know if I would weigh that as heavily for coaches going into week 17 especially if the lions end up losing i don't know if it would affect things one way or the other um i feel like like you said they're probably already made up in their mind that they want to start over but 
you know, for, for coaches who want to go to other staffs and know that they're about to get fired, like the Houston Texans, for example, um, Detroit Lions, the Jets staff. I mean, there are people on those staffs who want to go elsewhere and will probably get jobs elsewhere next year in spite of what happens. But I don't think it all comes down to a week 17 game. But there, I mean, for the Vikings, there's a number of players who, when you talk about the future and, and restricted free agents, unrestricted free agents that they have coming up, guys who they want to retain others that they can't like, this is a good opportunity for some of the, um, you know, backup players or players who you want to see a little bit more of, you know, to get some good run in order to be able to evaluate kind of where things stand as they go into the 2021 season and everybody reverts back to the 90 man roster. And you're trying to figure out how you want to construct this team and what then you need to do in free agency. And then in the draft. So who are a couple of Vikings players that maybe we should be watching a little bit on Sunday that I either either A, have something to prove, or B, uh, could really show out in a way that might be where they turn into a name you should know for mm-hmm. 2021? Well, you know, I think Ezra Cleveland has got to be one of the first ones just because they drafted him to play tackle, um, yet he's playing right guard. And it's, you know... For him, it's a situation of being of learning a new position on the fly because of the injury to Pat Elfline, and eventually they ended up releasing him. Um, will they keep him at right guard? Did he impress them so much that that's what they wanted to do? Will they have to then draft another left tackle because Riley Reef? You know what's going to happen there? You know we're not he's still under contract next year, but they can get out of it. But there's a number of different things that have to deal with the offensive line. Um, and how they're going to be able to improve the interior because I feel like a broken record. It's one thing that we talk about every single year and it hasn't happened yet. So, you know, with all of that said, um, I think that that's a critically important position. I would say, you know, Alexander Madison should get the majority of of the touches and the run in the run game because Dalvin cook should not be playing. I don't want to see him suit up because they've already run him into the ground this year. You just paid him like he's, you know, at a point where it's just not a smart idea to run somebody like that who already has this many touches on his body, like go ahead and try to preserve him. So backup running backs, um, I guess that on the defensive side of the ball, like I've seen all I need to see with this defensive line. It's not very good. Uh, it's actually terrible. So, I mean, like, you know, no disrespect to any of the players there. They just weren't cut out to play, you know, meaningful roles in the scheme. So I'd say that for me on the defensive end, um, you know, cornerbacks. I mean, I think we're, I think we've seen what we can see with that group. Like we know that they will be better next year. It's just going to take time, but you know, what's Anthony Harris playing for right now? I mean, he's a restricted, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. Like this is a good chance for him, you know, come away with an interception in this game. Uh, try to at least like, you know, up your stock a little bit. So when you do hit free agency, cause I really don't think the Vikings are going to want to pay to keep him, and they really can't that you have a lasting memory that's not you whiffing on a couple tackles and making some business decisions against the Saints. And same thing with Eric Wilson too, uh, the linebacker who, you know, I think would be, would work as a fit as their number two, but they also have Anthony Barr under contract next year. So, you know, I do think we will see a considerable amount of younger players and backups, and that should be a good thing as this team is trying to evaluate where it stands for the future to get some, a good look at guys early enough to know, Hey, this is what we want. No, this is not what we want. So two things with Dalvin Cook, who you've said a few times shouldn't shoot, shouldn't suit up. 
He currently leads the NFL in yards for scrimmage. If he sits, he's definitely going to get passed because Derrick Henry has to play. And yes. he's tied with Alvin Kamara for the rushing touchdown lead. And Alvin Kamara may or may not play. Does that factor, will that factor in where Cook would potentially push, even if it's, hey, dress me so I can just get in at the goal line and get a couple touchdowns against this really bad run defense. So that way I don't get passed by Alvin Kamara unless he does what he does again. Um, maybe, uh, from my understanding, most of the incentives like aren't built into this year of his contract. It doesn't go until much further along. So I don't think there's any sort of like rushing incentives, um, for him to, to eclipse like this year specifically, like get 2000. Yeah. I mean, so far away from that, but, um, like he has thresholds from my understanding at 1200, 1350, uh, 1500 and then 1750, but I don't think that that's until um, I don't think that kicks in until later. So, I mean, he's already passed most of those anyways, even if that would affect him now, but a lot of his incentives are later in his contract. So it's not like he would necessarily need that unless it's more of a pride thing and wanting to, you know, compete with the, to be the all purpose yards leader or what have you. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was getting at because sometimes that's why guys play, <laughs> you know, and you see him come out the second they hit that mark. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I trust me. I, I, we saw it. We've seen it before. I mean, Odell Beckham, I remember famously did it last year, took himself out when he got his uh, thousand yards receiving. And uh, that was it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I imagine that in Tampa this weekend, you're going to see, I mean, Bruce Arians has all but said it. Mike Evans is going to, they're going to force feed him the ball until he gets a thousand yards and then he's got playing another town. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, and, and that's, to me, those are some of the intriguing things in that come in a week 17, the Lions just don't really have any of those. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I mean, I think that this game outside of the potential for growth and development is effectively meaningless. And I know what Mike Zimmer said about his defense trying to end the year on a high note, but like, is it really a high note if it's, you know, if it's a, the Detroit Lions who are injured and you already beat them once this year and just everything that's going on like is it really that big of a, a notable of an accomplishment maybe yes and no but you know the season's over it's been over really since um the bears game like when they lost to the chicago 33 27 and they had a four percent chance from that point out to make the playoffs like they had to have so many things go right and one of them did on sunday or saturday when arizona lost uh, to San Francisco to keep a glimmer of hope alive, but then the Bears beat um, Jacksonville, and then it's like, okay, well, if the Bears lose to the Packers this week, and if the Rams were to lose to, or if the Rams were to beat Arizona, and the Vikings are going to be sitting there like, man, we really should have won one more of those other games, because then we would have potentially been in the playoffs had they not controlled their own destiny. Um, so that'll be, I think, the interesting thing to scoreboard watch there at the end to be like, man, they almost could have made it. Um, if the, if the, whatever the circumstances that play out on Sunday actually play out and the Vikings then are in a position that, you know, they're kicking themselves effectively at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, but let's be honest, this team, this Vikings team, whoever they played in that first round of playoffs is going to get beat pretty bad. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think that um, they're, you know, if the Vikings were to have made the playoffs, they can't stop high-powered offenses. I mean, look at what the Saints did to them, running, you know, strictly just running the ball with Alvin Kamara. Like, um, 
I I always felt like that Bears game, the one thing that truly solidified is they're not a playoff team because they would have gotten destroyed in the first round by any of the offenses in the NFC right now. I could see Seattle yeah. hurting them because their defense just isn't very good. And it's like you can't ask your offense to constantly be playing catch up um, in order to, you know, keep pace with everything else. It's just not possible. Yeah, and they weren't going to be high up enough to get that NFC the game against the NFC East team because they would have had to play either Seattle, New Orleans, or Green Bay, and that those are quick exits. <laughs> yeah, completely. With the way the, with the way the Vikings are constructed. At sure, least. absolutely. No, absolutely. I completely agree. You know, it's I, I don't know. I, I just to me this I'm treating this very much like the fourth preseason game where it's like nobody have any significant injuries play a bunch of guys, see what happens. And you kind of move on. Like to me, like this, and I'm writing something about this for Saturday, like Dom Yulbach might be playing his final game for the lions. And he goes back to like 2005, Mm -hmm. you know, like he's like the last guy from the Owen 16 team, the last Millen era guy. Like, so like stories like that storylines like that are are good you don't know if this is Stafford's last game with the Lions if he does end up playing like to me if he really pushes it to go out and play I know that you know he won't say there's anything about all of that but like you have to think that in the back of his head the human nature of it would be like well I don't want to go out like I did you know hobbling hopping to the locker room because I wouldn't go on a cart um I guess like Marvin Jones I think will you know will play and play a decent amount because of those things like they know like this is potentially it in a place where they spent a lot of time. Um, but other than that, like, I mean, like Adrian, like if Adrian Peterson went to them and said, Hey, I don't really want to play. Like, I don't think anyone would be like, all right, because like Peterson was here for one year. Now I can't see him not playing against the Vikings because of the, the Vikings, you know, but if they were like playing Arizona bears, you know, maybe just as like, eh, ah, it's an interesting situation. Like I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out because I'm curious to see if either team cares enough to really win. Because if that happens, it could be a blowout because both of these teams are very flawed. Yeah, no, I think that especially for the Vikings too, after everything that went down um, in the Friday game against New Orleans um, and then what Mike Zimmer said about his worst defense he's ever had and just really not thrilled with his players and the effort and all of that. And then kind of walking it back on Monday being like, well, I need to get them more prepared. They need to know, um, more of what I want from them, that type of thing. Like it was a different tune and I'm wondering, okay, is our players going to play for him? Are players going to really put it all on the line knowing um, just kind of how that whole thing played out and, and just kind of what that looked like? Um, you know, will players, you know, want to make sure that he's there next year? I mean, I still, like I said, I still think that he's safe no matter what unless it's like a superbly embarrassing loss, but I just cannot foresee that happening. Um, and our guy's going to, you know, want to fight for him. I mean, he's got a young core here on defense, especially. And, you know, next year they've got it. They've got hard decisions. They've got to make a lot of places. So I, I, I'm wondering kind of how much further that can be pushed and, and kind of what's next, depending upon how this game turns out. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, because like for the lions, like if, if they truly like Daryl Bevel, they may really want to play for him mm-hmm. because this is it. Like, and frankly, this could be his last shot ever as being a head coach. 
Um, I thought he's done enough okay things. They should get looks down the road, but it's possible this is it for him ever. And I think that there could be a pride factor in that. Uh, I know Lions fans would very much feel it would be very Lions-esque if Detroit were to win because it would all, especially if everything else permutates out there, like, because there's one scenario that they can get up as high as number three in the draft. So if all of that plays out and then the Lions win, I think there would be a lot of very annoyed Lions fans. <laughs> I hear you. Same thing with like I, the, what I was explaining just now about the um... – Arizona and Bears situations that if Arizona loses and the Bears lose this week, then the Vikings had they taken care of business against the Saints and, and Detroit, they would be in. So a lot of revisionist history that could be played on Sunday. It's the only thing that's going to make this game interesting, Courtney. I know there is really not that much else to talk about with it just because, you know, it's not like, okay, Matthew Stafford or Kirk Cousins will no longer be on the team next year. What are they going to do at quarterback? I guess Stafford's probably the one that's probably the more interesting one. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's, is it is probably, right. it like, is a possibility, but we don't even know if he's going to play. And yeah. then there's, there's so many other pieces to that. And, and frankly, even the bigger thing is there aren't fans. Well, I guess there'll be 250 friends and family, whatever, but there aren't fans. So like that incentive of like getting him out there for that one last, you know, moment, doesn't really exist because there's going to be no one there to see it. You're going to be, you know, are they going to, if they can get the cardboard to clap, that would be like an innovation. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. Absolutely. You know, and I, I don't know. It's listen, the lions are heading to a precipice of a massive change. Um, it seems like it happens every three to four years uh, where everyone else in the NFC, NFC North just kind of chills and, and hangs out. Um, so I don't know what to make of it, Courtney, other than, uh, you know, it's uh, it's almost over. I know. That's the only good part is that, like, literally this ends pretty soon. And we get to start thinking about 2021 and how this how the teams can rebuild and how the teams can continue building in areas that they're, you know, already doing so and, and what that means. But, you know, I, the thing that's so weird to me is like, I feel like it was just training camp yesterday or that it was just the schedule release day in May and that we didn't know what the hell was going on and how we were going to do this season and everything else. That was just such a, you know, whirlwind. Um, this is probably one of the fastest seasons, at least from week to week. It was one of the fastest ones I've ever gone through. Um, and, and I don't know how to process that. Like, I still, I still don't think I fully have, but I also know for a fact that it's, you know, it's only going to keep going from here. Like that's, you know, it's wild to think that we're even at this point that it's the end of, you know, end of the year and, and they're already moving on and we still don't know what 2021 is going to look like. And as far as all the off season events and everything else. Yeah. I mean, I actually feel as the opposite. This felt like a really slow and drawn out season for me, uh, but at times very fast, like, so I, let's end here in that I'm curious what, what would one, and this is so cliche radio, right? Like cliche radio about to come at you here. Like what's one new year's resolution that you would have for the Vikings and one that you would have for yourself this, this year in uh, the calendar year, 2021. Man, for the Vikings, I think it's gotta be, you know, be honest with the personnel that you have. Like, 
you know, the whole, what's the thing been the last few weeks as the Buffalo Bills locked up the AFC East, like the Stefan Diggs storyline that like he finally talked about his time in Minnesota. He finally talked about what in his mind pushed him out the door and pushed him to demand a trade and all this other stuff. Um, they've got Justin Jefferson, who is really damn good and having one of the best rookie seasons ever. Uh, and he's, you know, not far away from breaking Randy Moss's franchise record for receiving yards. Like, I hope he gets that for his sake against Detroit. But then, you know, you also have Adam Thielen and it's like, you can be a run first team all that you want. Um, and you can do everything you want through Dalvin cook, but you also need to realize that you need to like, those guys should be getting double digit targets, not necessarily each guy, each game. It doesn't obviously make sense, but Justin Jefferson should be getting close to double digit targets pretty regularly and not, you know, ending a game with four or five, like that just, that's, that's an, a, not a good use of his talent. So I'm hoping that the new year's resolution would be for them to realize that and to make that a priority. And then I guess for myself, it's, you know, kind of the one that I always defer to is, you know, more patience. I would love more patience in 2021 to deal with things on the fly. Um, you know, last year was just kind of like the whole control, which you can control and just try to let it go because that's exactly how it felt during a really unprecedented March through August, really, by the time we get, you know, the, the, the craving normalcy, being out at practice in training camp, usually those dog days of training camp, you, you, you just tired and, and you want to go home from those practices. That was one of the most normal things that I got to, that any of us got to do last year. And it was incredible. So hopefully more of that in the future. Um, and hopefully we'll actually get to like interact with players on a, you know, personal level and not have a, a zoom screen in between us next year. I am with you on, especially on the last thing. And not only with players, but with coaches, with other media yeah. members, like it's, I, miss know, it. I, I mean, it's, it, it amazes me that less than a year ago, we were having dinner in mobile. Like that feels yeah. like, like another lifetime ago when we were sitting and having dinner in, in, at the senior bowl and, yeah. <laughs> and it was less than a year. <laughs> It's wild. I mean, I will definitely miss going to those events because I just don't feel like we're going to be there um, yeah. next year. I will really miss that. Without a doubt. But hopefully brighter days are coming. Uh, and that is uh, that is my my hope for the new year. I, I don't know if I have a resolution yet, but uh, that is my hope for the new year is that the brighter things come and that somehow I'm able to play a lot of golf. That's all I want. <laughs> Hey, there's nothing, there's a good resolution for everybody to have. I think so. Courtney, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being my last ESPN guest on this show. I think you were like guest number two uh, or guest number three when we started this venture. So it feels like a little bit, a little bit of symmetrical there. Hey, uh, I'm all for yeah. it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have been part of the show in a small, in a small capacity. I want to thank my guest, Courtney Cronin, for coming on the show. She's been one of the more, uh, I guess, populous guests that we've had. She's been on, I guess, probably five or six times total between last season and this season and a couple of off-season things that we did. Very grateful for her always taking the time. You can go check her workout over on ESPN, and you can follow her on Twitter, of course, because we're all on Twitter, at Courtney R. Cronin. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. And you can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Hopefully you listened to yesterday's show 
with Brandon Copeland. It was maybe my favorite interview that I've done of all of the interviews, at least the player interviews I've done, and we've done a lot. Uh, I just thought it was really open and insightful, maybe up there with the Ray Roberts and Darius Slay and Zach Zanner interviews. So hopefully you can take a chance uh, on that. I hope you had a great new year. I hope you were safe. I hope you enjoy this weekend, and we will chat with you again on Monday.